welcome to Concord Baptist this morning. My name is Ben. I've been leading your students in D now this week. If you would stand with us, we're going to sing together. This song is called All Because of Jesus. Here we go. Baptized, who was saved the Sunday prior, and uh, spoke with Jessica. She's around here somewhere. Where's she at? Oh, right there. God bless you. And uh, Jessica gave her heart to the Lord, and we're excited about that. And uh, saw Cameron last Sunday give his heart to Jesus. Are y'all excited about that? Say yes. And um, any uh, family members of Cameron or friends, y'all stand up real quick. Let's recognize them. Appreciate you guys coming this morning. All right, now Cameron is a—he's a big old boy. Now he's—he's been lifting weights, so I'm, I've been praying about this. I got to get my feet somewhere, stabilized. Thankfully, I've been lifting weights too. Amen. 
Cameron, step up just a little bit for me. Cameron, based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Come on that way. Straight on down. Good job, buddy. This is Erica Gilstrap, and Erica is Jessica's sister, and she came last Sunday giving her heart to Christ. Y'all give it up for her. And I know uh, she has friends, family, pretty much all the same people, but y'all stand up again. We want to recognize you again. Good to see you guys. Awesome, awesome. Always excited to see the Lord just move through families. Amen. And uh, very excited about your decision this morning. So based upon your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with Him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. Amen. Now, as uh, she heads out, Brandon is going to be coming in to uh, baptize some students who made decisions over Disciple Now weekend. Had an awesome, awesome time this weekend. So y'all give it up for Brandon as he comes. We, uh, like Levi said, we had an incredible moment with God this weekend and just got to see God do some amazing things in the hearts of our students. And so we're excited about that. And uh, Chris uh, Savage comes this morning to be baptized. Chris, back during um, production, right, and during Christmas, uh, he uh, had come forward and he said, I need to give my life to the Lord. And he confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And so last night, he just made it very clear and evident. He said, hey, I need to get baptized. And so we're excited to, man, I'm excited to take part in that this weekend and just excited to see what God's doing. Chris, it's, it's been neat as I'm getting to know him and learning a lot about these students. One thing that I've learned about Chris and also uh, just learned it from Levi's Chris got saved in December, and already he's starting to invite friends to church, tell friends about Jesus, and get them to, to, uh, you know, to, to make a decision about where they stand before Christ. And so he, God's already using Chris in, in mighty, mighty ways, and so we're excited about that, man. And so it's, it's upon your, your public profession of your faith in Christ that I baptize you now, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with Christ through baptism. Risen to walk in newness of life. And if you're, um, if you're a family or friend of Chris, if you wouldn't mind standing up so we can recognize you and thank you for being here. All right, look at that. Yeah. Awesome. Also, this morning we've got uh, Cole Burkhart. Cole, last night, um, before we even started our service, hold on, man, hold on, hang on. Not so, not so soon. Before the service, he just said, hey, I'm, I've given my life to the Lord. And... I mean, before we'd even started, and our, and our prayer was last night that God would use last night and this weekend in, in just transformational ways. And, and so it was really neat just to start the service off with just affirmation that God's at work. And so he, uh, Cole just made that decision to give God his life and confess him as Lord and Savior, and we're pumped about that. And so uh, any family and friends of Cole that are here this morning, if y'all would, y'all stand up. I know we got the youth group and his family. Amen. So, Cole, man, it's upon your public profession of faith in Christ that I baptize you now, my brother, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bear with Christ through baptism. Risen to walk in newness of life. Amen. Pastor Levi. Well, amen. We're so excited that you guys have come to worship with us this morning. I want to let you know what you've seen this morning is just an outward picture of an inward change. You know, the Bible does not teach that in order to go to heaven, you've got to be baptized. In fact, what it does teach is that you and I have to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. See, God created you to know him, but what separates you and I from God is sin. And if we hold on to our sin, the Bible teaches we will actually be separated from God forever in a real place called hell. But God graciously still loves you, desires for you to have a relationship with him. And so what the scriptures teach is that while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. So Jesus actually bore the penalty for our sin debt in his own body. God the Father treated Christ his son as if he committed every sin of every person who's ever breathed the breath of life. He was buried and then resurrected. Now here's the deal. You might be here this morning and you've never made 
a commitment to Jesus Christ. You've never surrendered your life to him. I want to challenge you to do it. That will be the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And that's what saves you, not baptismal waters, all right? But once you give your heart to Jesus, first step of obedience is baptism, then you're growing in your faith, amen? And we're excited about that. So if you're visiting, thank you for coming. You came in, you got a brochure. It would encourage you to fill out the little visitor card. Meet me following the service out here in the foyer. I want to give you a free gift just for coming. And man, we're just so appreciative that you'd come and hang out with us this morning. And I'll also let you know you're going to be overwhelmingly blessed today. We have a special guest with us. Algernon Tennyson. Algernon has been um, Algernon's been used by the Lord. He's uh, been just used mightily this past weekend and uh, been very excited to hear him preach this morning. I know you're going to be encouraged as well. I think his wife was here, Taryn, and she's still in the house. If you are, Taryn, slip a hand up. She's in the very, very back, back row Baptist right back there. God bless you for being here. Uh, she told me she was jetting as soon as uh, you got up to preach. She had already heard that message, so uh, <laughs> it's all good, though. But we are blessed to have him, so when he comes in just a few moments, I know you're going to be encouraged. But here's what I want to tell you before we get up and shake hands. Listen closely. Algernon is involved in a ministry called Awaken International. And what they do is they travel internationally, and they actually encourage people to come to grips with what's going on with the sex trafficking slavery that's going on. That's happening, by the way, uh, heavily in Atlanta, Georgia, and then all the way around the world. So what they do is they go around and they actually help rescue children who have been kidnapped on most cases and sold into sexual slavery. And so God's been using him over the years. Used him last year. He's gone to several places. He's got a lot of places that he's heading this year as well. He mentioned a few of those to me, like Thailand and a couple of other joints overseas. So here's what I want to encourage you to do. Man, I, I would love for you to be generous this morning. If you have an opportunity after the service, there will actually be some men stationed here at the exit doors that you might want to give uh, towards that ministry just to help as they go out and rescue those children. And uh, I'd encourage you to consider for just a moment what it would be like if it were your child, uh, what you would want to see happen from the New Testament church. So I want to encourage you to give generously this morning so whenever you get ready to leave, there will be some ushers back here at the door. You can make your checks payable to Awaken International. Make sense? That was a question. Make sense? Uh, good deal. Let's stand to our feet. You welcome each other to God's house this morning.
We've got some time that we're going to have to share a little bit about D-NOW and what's going on in the hearts of our students and even the hearts of our leaders this week. And so as they come on stage to get ready to share with you how God's transforming them, I just want to let you know, man, God was at work. And God is going to continue continue to be at work. Um, Man, in my heart, in the hearts of our our, our teenagers, in the hearts of our leaders that were involved with the weekend. And so we're excited to see all that God can accomplish if we're just faithful, if we just open our hearts and allow him to do the work in us. And so we got a few that are going to share about what they experienced this weekend. So I'm going to turn it over to them. We, uh, we, we never know, never have a clue 
as to what God is doing in the background and, and, and what we can't see. And so it's always awesome to be a part of that and see God doing that. But I just want to go into a time of prayer, just asking God to continue to work in us as we worship together. But will you pray with me? Father, thank you, golly, for just how you move. And Father, I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. But Father, you love us all the same, and God, you love us even more than we can imagine. And God, your love for us, God, knows no bounds. That through your Son, that you have provided a way for us to be reestablished with you. And God, as Romans teaches, that God, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Because rarely will, will, would someone die for someone that doesn't need it. But God, we, we, we needed it. And God, but while we were in that position, God, you still did it. Thank you so much, God, and thank you for how you transformed us this weekend and how you're going to continue to change and renew in us a heart that seeks after you. Father, be blessed by the praises that are lifted in this room as we continue to gather together to exalt your name. Father, all these things we ask in your name. Amen. Ephesians 2.10 says, you are God's workmanship, in essence, his masterpiece. Now, when I wake up in the morning and look at myself in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, maybe like a Picasso or something, but definitely not a masterpiece. But I want to be one, and so I go to him and pray, God, take away everything that is not of you. Mold me into the image of your son so that I can be your masterpiece. Hi. Whoa, who are you? I'm God. No, you're not. Yes, I am. You said the prayer and poof, here I am. That's kind of how it works. Okay, so if you're God, make it snow in here right now. Mm, I don't think so. That'd make this place really yucky and we definitely don't want that. See, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. Yes, I do. It's Greek. Okay. <laughs> so if you're God, then what's Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a rather short book, only five chapters. Why so short? I was tired of lamenting. Okay. So if you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? Why are you so into playing games? So you are God. What was your first clue? You answered my question with a question. I did? Oh, I did. Didn't I? <laughs> See, I did it again. So uh, step right up. Whoa, what's that for? What are you going to do? Well, you did pray for me to chisel away everything that wasn't of you, or wasn't of me. So I'm here to take it away, kind of like dead weight. Speaking of dead weight, because you chisel in right in there. I've been trying to get rid of it. I ate right, I exercised, I even did Pilates. Okay. That was awkward. <laughs> okay, okay, do you want to keep talking or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, talk, chisel. No, no, chisel. All right. Seems to have some anger in here. Pride. You're comparing yourself to others instead of to me. You're lazy. But you said that you're really, really busy. You have a problem with lust. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I do not have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it any time I want. Oh. Well, don't you think we could do this later? I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good. See, you are doing good. But when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. See, that's the problem. Ultimately, you and your friends should see me, not you. Don't take this the wrong way, but when I start acting like your son, my friends get uncomfortable around me, even my friends at church. They're like, oh, hey, holier than thou, why won't you come do this? So what you're saying is that you'd rather play God over parts of your life than have me be God over your entire life. I didn't say that. That's what you meant. Yes, it is. It's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. But really, can we please do this later? See, what you're doing now is really common. It's called controlling. Would you rather control or have me chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. Okay, chisel. Okay. But can we chisel where I want to chisel? You're controlling again. Okay, okay. You've been holding on to this for a long time. Are you sure you're ready? Yeah. All right. It hurts. It hurts me much more than it hurts you. I don't think you understand this pain. 
I don't understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for your pain. But I also sent him to die for your freedom. Do you know what the definition of insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, but expecting a different result. You've been holding on to these things even since high school and before, and you run to them when you're tired or lonely or sad, but you find out that they're just not working anymore. But I'm thinking that just... Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Couldn't there be another way? Your ways are not my ways. Listen, I can't be good. You can't be good. Listen, I made you good. Be good. What? Nothing. You would understand. Me. The God of the entire universe would understand something that my child has to say to me. Try me. It's just, God, I've let you down so many times. You can't let me down. You don't hold me up. I hold you up in my victorious, righteous hand. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay, okay. Chisel away, but just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. I know who's in there. It's just a scared little child getting up every morning, trying to act like an adult. Just be prepared. You've been buying into the world's lies for far too long. Like I said, you're comparing yourself to others instead of to me. You really think you're junk, don't you? Listen, I don't make junk. If I made junk, then what would that say about me? How can I prove to you that my love for you has no boundaries? I know, look in your back pocket. What? Look in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Look in your back pocket. God. Yes? No. <laughs> I was saying, God, I do that right now. No, you were taking my name in vain. It's just a name. It's just a saying. It's not just a name. It's not just a saying. It's the name above all names. And I'm here to teach you something about my name. Look in your back pocket. What is it? It's one of my journal pages from when I was younger. How did you get this? Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah. Read it. I love Angie Holland. No, the other side. I married her. Yes, I was there. Oh, yeah. Dear God, today I am turning everything over to you. I'm not going to hold on to anything anymore. Your word says that you will make me your masterpiece and use me to do great things. I don't see how that's possible, but I want that with all that I am. So please, do whatever it takes to make me what you want. I love you, God. I love you too, Tommy. I love you far too much to let you stay where you are right now. Don't let your salvation be some sort of sentimental gush or just head knowledge, but let it be genuine. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to me. I want you to look out there, and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, no. Not how you see yourself or how your friends see you, but how I see you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God does not make junk. You are his original masterpiece. Good morning. How are we? Was that not an awesome skit? 
that is absolutely reflective of what we talked about this entire weekend, about letting go of control, letting God take our lives, letting him take this. Sometimes we feel like these jars are broken and they're frail and they're just all over the place. But we put it in the master's hands and he can mold something beautiful out of broken lives, sinful lives, lives that were not looking for him. And when we surrender to him, God takes these things that we consider a mess that no king would want. And he takes it and he sculptures it into a beautiful masterpiece that would bring him glory. That is the beauty of what it means to be transformed. The purpose of us being saved is not just to go to heaven, but it's for us to bear witness of God even here. So when it says to be transformed, it means to become more like him so that the world can see him. Here's a mystery that puzzles me even to this day, that God would use common man and woman to bear witness of his glory. Christ is not physically here, but we are. So I can't say I love God and completely bypass you when you may be an avenue for me to say to the Lord that I love him back. That is the beauty of being transformed to saying, I no longer have control, but you do. Thank you for being Savior, but now I want to make you Lord. Everybody wants the saving part. Let's go to heaven, but the Lordship, that's a whole nother issue. Saying, God, don't have parts of me, have all of me. He only asked you to do what he's done because he didn't give you some counterfeit. He gave you the best that he had to offer for your redemption. And all he's asking is for you to give him the best you have to offer. And even then, it doesn't even seem like an equal gift. Like, he gave up so much more than what we have to. How can you repay a God who's giving you salvation? What can you really give him to say thank you enough for what he has done? We can't give him enough. So that has been the purpose of this weekend, what we've talked about in Romans 12, what it means to be transformed and not conformed, to be set apart, to be holy, to be used of the Father, to make his name known. I told the kids if we could have summed this up as anything else, we could have just called it be, be responsible. We live in a world where you got the blame game. No one wants to own up to anything. It's my mama's fault. You're grown now. Quit blaming your mama. You're a grown adult. You keep blaming people. Own up to who we are, that in Christ there are no excuses because he's that powerful and that good. To take all these things, dysfunctional families, all these hurts, all these things, to he can use them to his glory. What Satan meant for evil, God wants to use it for good. So we release people because it's not about them, it's about him. I have to forgive you because he's forgiven me. So right when you start, to, right when we start, so I ain't forgiving that person because of what they've done, and you take that to God, and God's, God's going, what if I had that mentality about you? So we're letting the kids know there's nothing we can't forgive people of, there's no one we can't love, there's no one we can't be reconciled with, because it is about Jesus and Christ alone. It is not about you. Christianity is this. God is the center of the universe, and everything else revolves around him. It's not you're the center of the universe, and God revolves around you. See, Christianity, you're going to struggle with this faith if you're selfish. If everything's going to be about you getting your needs met, everybody acknowledging you, you getting what, see, you're mocking grace, because grace is getting something you didn't deserve. So the whole purpose of being transformed is to show gratefulness toward the grace, the mystery of our salvation, that God would save any of us is a mystery. It is the greatest act of love and mercy that man has ever known and will ever know. So if we refuse to be transformed, then what we're doing is mocking the very thing that Christ came to give us. I have no choice but to love you. It is not optional. I have no choice but to love you because Christ Jesus first loved me. I want to give honor where honor is due. First of all, I love that y'all have some crazy worship at this church. Y'all some Baptocostals or something. Some of y'all think y'all hide and I found y'all out. I'm serious because it's funny. When I was playing basketball, it'd be funny how people, and, and I'm just being honest, Pastor, most of the crowd would be white people. And that they paint themselves up, and they're wearing graffiti and all this stuff. I thought, boy, white people crazy. But when I got saved for some reason, they said, well, we, we can't worship in the church. And I thought, wait a minute, y'all should not have worshiped some athlete. 
We all worship something. I'm going, don't tell me black people are just more charismatic. I'm going, you ever been to a sporting event? That's y'all acting crazy. We're trying to be all cool and everything. Y'all, I'm serious. I'm taking deacons to Braves games, and they, they 70 years old tomahawking. Oh, I'm going, please don't have a heart attack. <laughs> and we're getting to church. They're too dignified to clap. I'm going, hold on now. You just gave Chipper Jones some mad praise, but you can't sing the Lord some praise? Don't tell me that's because of my skin color. So I love the fact that we can come in here and get our worship on. We ain't throwing no culture and all that stuff as excuses. We all worship something. And the one thing I'll never apologize for is I love to get my praise on for the Lord. It, it was like Tybo worship up here. <laughs> but I'm never going to apologize for it. There are a lot of things I'm ashamed of, but one thing I'll never be ashamed of is praising the one who saved for me, redeemed, died for me, and saved me and redeemed my lost soul. So be, we've been ashamed of a lot of things. I'm sure every one of us in here got things we're ashamed of. But don't you ever be ashamed to praise the name of the Lord. Don't you ever be ashamed. So this weekend, we're talking to the kids about what it means to be transformed and, and, and also um, how we're to be one body. That means that none of us in here are without excuse or no one in here can feel like you don't matter, that that is a lie from the pits of hell, that some, yourself, the enemy, this world has convinced you that you're insignificant, you don't matter, other people have it together more, they're wealthier, they're more educated, they're better. Look, all these excuses that the enemy tries to bring on us so that we'll feel like we're not important. We dealt with that issue. That's why you're seeing a lot of freedom in these kids, because they were buying into the lies of the world. If God created you, as the skit says, that it's not a mistake. But I told the kids I was once where they were. I remember going to churches early on in, in my ministry, and James can tell you, James Dollar, one of my best friends in the world, your music pastor. In my earlier years of ministry, I'd come into churches, and people would be angry that the pastor let a black guy come and preach. And I can remember apologizing to people so much. I'm sorry, y'all hate me. And I felt like the Lord said one day, what are you apologizing for? Have you sinned? I said, no, sir, I can't think of any. He said, then why are you apologizing for what I've done? I dipped you in that little brown bucket and gave you that afro. <laughs> That's right. So food Motown, I had no choice in the matter. God's going, did you and I have a conversation before you were born? Did I ask you if you wanted to be black, white, Hispanic? God's going, I made you that way for my glory. Quit apologizing for what I've done. And it set me free. It set me free because I thought, I'm, this is the Lord's doing. He gave me my pearly whites and he made me cocoa brown. <laughs> for his glory, all things for his glory. Everything, and that's what we've been challenging the young people with this weekend. All things for the glory of God. I told them that's why I struggle with athletes. Like, oh, I scored that touchdown. Me, 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 me. I'm like, who made you run that fast? Who made you jump that high? Who gave you the ability to dunk that basketball? Who gave you the ability to sing like that, to act like that? Quit praising yourself. All glory belongs to the Lord. And see, once we realize that, guys, seriously, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you something that's deep. I'm telling you, you're going to think I'm deeper than Charleston, all them cats. They ain't got nothing on me. <laughs> Listen to this. Two things I, wanted to, I want you to see. One, there's a God. Two, it ain't you. <laughs> Deep, isn't it? Ooh. That's deeper than Greek, isn't it? One, there's a God. Two, it's not us. Once we quit trying to play God, then life becomes more enjoyable. Because we make a mess of things. So we give it to God and we say, Lord, you have a plan. Here's my life. Show me what it is. Give me the faith to walk it out. We make a mess of things. We make a mess of things. You heard one of the young men share early about what his brothers are going through, how it encouraged them about, you know, God will get us through tough times. We always want the easy way, but it wasn't that way for our Lord. Everybody wants blessings and, and God hooked me up, pay my bills. And I'm going, Jesus was scourged for us. No one wants to endure everything, but we want the blessings. We want to read our Bibles. We don't want to witness, but we want Jesus to take care of all of our needs. I'm saying let's quit asking for the easy way, and let's just ask that God gives us strength to endure his way. 
Guys, it hasn't been easy. My wife and I are in the process of adopting. We had a young baby given to us this past week. We had it for six days. Dysfunctional mom, stripping into drugs. She changed her mind. Six days later, we're taking the baby back. This is just recent. Friday, the beginning of this event, I'm coming up here to Concord. I get a call from my sister. There's another young lady we talked to who we talked her out of having an abortion. And she said, I'm going to give you guys my baby. She's three months. Well, I'm up here on the road. And I said, oh, sorry, mom took her to have an abortion. I said, what? Lord, that's two and less than one. At least the first baby has a chance. She's eight weeks. This one's gone. Y'all think I was doing backflips to come? But I thought, why not me? Why we want everything to bypass us? I said, Lord, what if it was a newer believer? They may go out and curse your name. I've seen your faithfulness. I have no reason to ever doubt your goodness. People do what people do. That was not a godly decision. That just showed me even more there's a real enemy, and it made me mad at the devil. And it made me more passionate, have more urgency to share the good news of people because this is what we do outside of God. We hurt each other. We take life. We wound each other. We backstab. This is a life outside of the gospel. It just confirmed my faith. It didn't make me question my faith. It made my faith stronger and showed me that there's a real enemy. And apart from God, we're all capable of doing those things. Matter of fact, some of us, before we were saved, were doing some of those ungodly things. And it reminded me of who I used to be and who I am because of God. That is transformation. When God does a radical change in your life and you're looking at people and going, that used to be me, but look at where I am now because of him. That's transformation. Don't be comfortable with just being saved. Be passionate followers of the Lord. Don't be comfortable with just showing up to church. Be the church. Don't be playing religion. What's that going to do for any of us? If you're going to do it, do it with passion. If you're going to live for the Lord, live for the Lord. Let's let the power of the Lord shine through us. So basically, that was just the foundation. So if you got your Bibles, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4 as I wrap up this last challenge to the young people and to all of us. To all of us. I love using Timothy because Timothy was a young man when he found his calling. Can you imagine Paul mentoring you and telling you he's going to pass the mantle to you? Here young Timothy is, young pastor of a church. He's probably got people in the church that are way older than him, got more wisdom than him, but he's the one God called to lead. <laughs> he's dealt with church discipline in the church. He's dealt with rebellion. He's dealing with sexual things. He's dealing with all out, outside persecutions. The church was being persecuted like mad. People were losing their lives left and right for the sake of the faith. And so Paul in prison has to encourage Timothy, who's out in his freedom in Christ. So listen to what he says here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting with verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ. Most people don't even think that's profound. He's letting Timothy know right off the bat who's the one that Timothy's answering to. I may be your mentor, but I'm not your savior. Are y'all hearing that? Meaning none of us are here so holy that we can save a single soul. You nail me, James, and your pastor on the cross, and y'all all go to hell. So as much as people are like, it should have been me on the cross, I'm like, what are you talking about? That's false humility. If Jesus hadn't died on that cross, there'd be no hope for us. Was it cruel? Yes. I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but at the same time, it was the only way we could be redeemed. So thank God. He was nailed to the cross for me because I couldn't save myself, and you can't save yourself. So thank God it was about him. He's letting Timothy know it's about God, it's about Jesus Christ, not about me. He says he is the one to judge the living and the dead by his appearing in his kingdom. Timothy, I'm letting you know that all things you're going to answer to the Lord, not to me. I can only encourage you. I can only spur you on toward love and good deeds. But ultimately, God is the judge of all things. He says, then the next verse is what I want all of us to focus on. And I really want you to get, listen to how profound and awesome this is. Preach the word. <laughs> Be ready in season and out of season. A better way that you can understand this is when it's convenient and when it's not. 
Preach it when it's convenient and when it's not. The gospel's not about my comfort. It's about his glory. So God may tell me to witness to someone that looked different than me, grew up different than me, different lifestyles than me. But it's not about my comfort. It's about his glory. So if he tells me to do it, I need to be ready to do it, Brandon. But how they look different than me. They're different race. They grew up different. So what? It's about his glory. It's about his saving grace. It is about his good news. Do not let anything stop us from testifying of who God is. Be ready when it's convenient and when it's not. When it's easy and when it's hard. And trust me, they're going to be a lot of hard. I get, I get flown all over the world to speak, and people think, you're this big-time evangelist. Do y'all realize 90% of the times I get rejected? <laughs> Maybe 10% receive. Maybe. I, any of you ever been to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina? I was a camp pastor in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for five years. Supposed to be this great evangelist. I'm down in Myrtle Beach, and I'm a brother, so I don't, I don't like the heat, all right? I'm just being honest with y'all. My motto is shade and lemonade. I don't do heat, and I don't do the beach and all that stuff. I'm like, Jesus, why you bring me down here all this water? I, I already believe there's a God, because as long as I see water, I believe in Jesus, because I can't swim, and I'm ex-Navy. Go ahead and laugh at that one. So I'm down in Myrtle Beach. It's about 110 degrees without humidity. I'm giving out free bottled water because it's hot. I'm trying to do some servant evangelism. I'm down there all day about to dehydrate. Nobody would give me a chance to share the gospel. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm discouraged. I say, Lord, I didn't even get to share the faith with one person. I was spit on. I was laughed at. I was cursed out. Everything. I'm getting ready to wrap up my stand. If you know anything about Myrtle Beach, they have this strip where you can't drive very fast in the summer because it's bumper to bumper cars. Well, these little punk kids, that's right, I called them punk. Driving by in a fancy car, they had a bunch of hard-boiled eggs. They chunked them at me and split me open. My lip, my nose, my eye, I was bloodied up. Been out here all day, couldn't reach anyone. I get egged by hard-boiled And I thought, what are these kids thinking? Don't they see how big I am? Because they couldn't go anywhere. Yeah, that's right. And at that time, I wasn't feeling real Christian either. I'm telling you, Pastor, I was ready to lay some hands and not in the spirit, brother. I was like, uh, I'm going to cast this demon out. <laughs> yes, come out in the name of Jesus. And, uh, but I'm sure y'all are more spiritual than me. I'm sure the, the ground lights up when y'all walk because you're so holy. You know, well, I'm not that holy. You know, if you got it going on like that, you don't want to be around the rest of us. We're going to mess you up because the rest of us still got issues. We're striving to be like Jesus. So at that moment, I want to go lay some hands. I had to pray real hard. Jesus, you better, get, you better help me right now. So sure enough, I didn't chase them down. I wanted to. I'm sitting here. I'm bloodied. I'm embarrassed. I'm wrapping up my stations. I'm weeping. I'm upset. I'm like, God, I didn't reach one person. I'm bloody here. Man, what a, what a disastrous day. Well, I don't know if you guys know anything. They're called um, emo kids. I kept calling them Elmo. I said, like, man, I love y'all, Elmo. They were like, no, emo. <laughs> and, uh, and come on now, God's got a sense of humor. I, I like baggy stuff. These dudes had skin-tight jeans, black. It's 100 degrees. I mean, it was a trip. Hair nicer than most girls. It was a trip. And, uh, and I thought, and they were all watching me all day. And they saw that I didn't chase these guys down. So these group of kids go, man, you're a big old black man. I'm going, thank you for telling me. They go... <laughs> They go, why don't you chase those white boys down and get them, you know? And I'm like, at that moment, I was going to say something. I felt the Lord say, you better not. Here's your chance. I thought, right now, Lord, I'm all busted up. These kids have been watching me. I said, well, y'all got a minute? Yeah, we want to know, man. Go get them. You're huge. Go beat them up. I said, well, I would have. But let me just share with you real quick. I end up sharing the gospel with a group of emo kids. My last year in Myrtle Beach, I had about 100 of them. Saw about 15 get saved that day. They kept inviting all their friends to come. And God showed me through that how faithful he is because I wanted to get in my flesh and get angry and feel sorry for myself. 
And God says, so you get some eggs and you get a little bloodied. He goes, do you really want to know what I endured? That it was your sins that nailed me to the cross and you can't reach out and love these kids because of this? I thought, God, forgive us. We're so self-centered. We don't want to endure anything. We want everything to be easy. Anybody can love Jesus when it's all good and sweet all the time. You won't know. Your faith isn't genuine until it's tested. Anybody can shout hallelujah when everything's good. Let me see you lose your job. I have so many people calling me mad at God, James. You said God was good, preacher. Yeah, he is good. I lost my job. This guy called me up. He made $400,000 a year for over 10 years. He had five, six sea dudes, boats, extra houses. I said, you mad at God? Look at all that extra you got. God didn't tell you about all that, did he? Don't tell me he ain't good. He is good. God's been hooking us up. We've been telling the world that they shouldn't count on that stuff anyway. That it was going to forsake them. So to me, this is a, the greatest time in my life to be a Christian is now. Because all that money has forsaken people. But we in the church, that should have never been our joy anyway. So now we have a golden opportunity to witness the people who would have never given us a chance in a million years to tell them about Jesus because their God was in all of their stuff. Their God was their career and their possessions, and now they don't know what to do without it. And we're going, we, I was trying to tell you guys for years that it was Christ. Preach the gospel in season and out when it's hard, when it's easy. Let it be about God and God alone, period. Refuse to see people go to hell. If your family members rejected you this time, I've been witnessing to my family every holiday season for, since I've been saved since I was 16 for almost 24 years. They go, you going to tell us again? You betcha. So I said, let's go home. Let's just go ahead and get on with this so we can eat some turkey. <laughs> I'm sitting, ask my wife every year. I go, I'm like, let's just go ahead. I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you. Sit down. I'm going to tell you the gospel. I'm going to keep telling you as long as I have breath. I refuse to see any of my family not know the Lord or any of you over our dead bodies or anybody in this church go to hell. We're going to keep at you. We're going to get you eventually. It won't get you today. We're going to get you. Because we ain't going to stop. You can be mad. I ain't hearing this. You might not hear it today, but we're going to get you next week. And you'll hear it next week. We're going to get you the week after that. You quit coming to church. I hope we find your house. We'll bust the whole church service at your house. See how you feel then when we have a church service in your lawn. But we need to have that type of mentality. We make it too easy. We give up too quick. People say no two or three times. And we're like, well, God ain't going to save him. How do you know? God can do what we can't. So if he can do the impossible, then I'm going to keep believing. As long as I'm breathing, there's a chance for all my friends to know the Lord. You say, oh, that's unrealistic. So what? I got something to strive for. So be ready at all times to testify of the goodness of the Lord. <sighs> Levi, Pastor, am I okay, brother, on time? Can I have a few more minutes? Thank you. Here we go. Listen to this, guys. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove. That means you can prove what you, what you believe. Let people know what's right. Rebuke. When, they don't, when they're not believing rightly, you correct them, you rebuke them, and then you exhort. Guys, this is how you're actually supposed to discipline even children. Tell them the right way. When they, when they don't do the right way, you rebuke them, you discipline them, but then later you come back and exhort them. <laughs> this ain't Oprah and Dr. Phil. God's got a patent on this. You watch all those shows just get in our Bible and we start getting some freedom. We're supposed to be in the world but not of it. Put it to the test. Put it to the test. Y'all know they say the average Protestant believer spends less than three minutes a day seeking the Lord in his word. Three minutes a day. Tell me the last time you got good at anything in three minutes a day. Tell me the last time you've been to an athletic practice and coach like, hurry up, we got three minutes. You walk into class, the teacher's like, hurry up, now don't be lollygagging, we only got three minutes. We give God three minutes, and we expect to be super Christian and on fire for the Lord. How's that going to work? Hear me on this, y'all. Oh, I'm preaching now. Salvation is a free gift, but intimacy is not. Salvation is a free gift, but intimacy is not. You can't do anything to earn your salvation. But once you get it, now you want to know the heart of God. He said, now you got to show me how much you want that. You don't believe me? Look at the Christians beside you. I guarantee you not everybody in this room is on the same spiritual level. Now, everybody here is in love, passionate followers of Jesus. 
So obviously when you get saved, that put us all on the same spiritual level. Now you got to show God how much you desire to know him. Thank you for saving me because I couldn't save myself. Now God said, how deep do you want to go in your relationship with me? That's going to be on your hand. How much do you desire to know me? Salvation free, intimacy. Mm. Now you got to seek after it and show God how much you desire to know him. If that was the case, Pastor, we wouldn't have to spend 90% of our time just begging people to read the Bible. I spend 90% of my time pleading with Christians to just open their Bible. How am I going to tell you to let's go change Hall County in this area? Oh, let's, let's evangelize the world. I'm going, you don't even read your Bible yet. Who are you going to evangelize? You don't know three scriptures. Let's just be honest. Let's, are you going to let somebody operate on you and they're like in junior high? Man, I need to have major surgery. You're in the sixth grade. You ready? Please. You ain't getting near me. You want, I want to see the dude. I want to see his diploma. I don't know his grade average. Every, I don't know who his mommy is before he cut me open. How much more is God going to send us out not equipped when there's a real spiritual battle? Guys, hear me on this before I close. I go out and fight trafficking. Do y'all think I take anybody with me? I want to take people who have been trained and mature because I don't want to be babysitting. We are in some dangerous situations. We're in the red light districts trying to get little girls. All the ministries are different, pastors. I had to explain to people, we only focus on the age of 5 to 10. My ministry focuses on 5-year-olds to 10-year-olds who are being prostituted. We focus on children. I want children. I love children. So God put it on my heart. You need to go save some children. So that's the area I focus on. I can't just take anybody who feels good and want to go do that. You better be discerning and it better be a call. You better show me you got some maturity about you. Because it's one thing for me to be a martyr. It's another thing for us to get killed because you're stupid. I have no problem if it's the Lord's will. But I have a problem with you being goofy over here. Not knowing what you're doing. I don't fear death because I've been crucified with Christ. I'm no longer alive. It's Christ in me. You can't kill a dead man. So they can't scare me with death. I'm already dead. But I don't want my time to come before it's God's will. So I want to know that people mature. The same thing with us. If we are to be mature in Christ and be transformed, we have to preach his word. Therefore, we have to be in his word. We have to know his word. That's God's goodness to you because he loves you. Parents, do y'all ever remember this? When you were a kid, your mom and daddy telling you certain things, you say, I ain't gonna ever, I ain't gonna ever act like them. And then you get kids and you start doing the same thing. Matter of fact, you can't believe they raised your tail. Bad as you were. Because now you got kids. And that's wisdom, right? You're telling them stuff because you love them, not because you don't want them to have a good time. Y'all hear me, young people? I'm for your parents. Remember, I told you none of y'all are paying mortgage yet, so you ain't grown. When your mama has dated some dogs, when she's saying, watch out for that guy, she's probably seen him in her past. Your daddy's been out there. Maybe he was a little player in the time. He don't want you to be like that. So he's saying, son, avoid this. Treat people this way. Be respectful. Listen to that. How much more the heavenly father wants you to have peace? God ain't sitting here and wanting you to have no victory. He wants you to have victory more than you do. So when God's giving you his, his ways to honor him, it's more to bless you than him. God is forever holy and settled. He just doesn't want us bringing harm on ourselves because of disobedience. Trust his word. Trust the Lord. Follow his way and see what God can do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Transform us from the inside out. Lord, we need you more than the air we breathe. Lord, it's hard for us to give up control. But Lord, we know if we don't, then we're just playing and saying. We're going to keep doing the same things and getting the same results. And you and your goodness are trying to open our eyes to say, look, stop the direction you're going. It's going to harm you. If you're here this morning, you need to join a church that teaches the word, that believes in community, that believes in outreach, that believes in mission. You need to just come home, get a part of the family. Discipleship, accountability. If you're here and you've just lost the joy of your salvation, you say, Al, I just have no more passion 
Guys, let's respond to the Lord. We're going to have to hide. That's the problem with the church. We hide who we really are, so then we can't really pray for each other effectively or encourage each other because we don't know what people are really going through because no one tells each other the truth. Let's be truthful this morning. The pastor's going to be down here. James is going to be down here. Brandon's down here. I'll be here. Let us pray for you. Let us love on you and encourage you in Christ. Last but not least, if you're here and you've never repented of your sins, Man, join the family. Why reject such an amazing gift that was paid for on your behalf? Receive his salvation. Receive his amazing grace. Become a child of God and join the family this morning. Why would you not do that this morning? Why would you not surrender and humble yourself under the power of God and ask him to become your savior this morning? You're struggling with financial issues, issues in your marriage. Let us pray for you. Let us get you counsel. Let us walk through life with you. We are here to be the body. We all need each other. We're all connected. We can't do this without each other. Let us be community together. This is what we pray in Jesus' name.